podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, it's always pretty nice to start the podcast talking about a second place finish on the PGA Tour. I mean, it would have been great <laughs> to be talking about a win, but we'll take second. Um, it's the Secret Golf Podcast and I'm Diane Knox. I hope you're doing great, having a lovely week so far. Last week, well, I'm talking about Ryan Palmer, who finished runner-up behind John Ram at the Memorial Tournament at Jack's Place. Jack's Place, which is going to look very strange right now because he is ripping up that entire golf course. They started doing it once the guys had played the front nine. <laughs> there was video of like the diggers out there and that turf was getting pulled up. Anyway, Ryan Palmer finishing second and, well, a, a great result for him. Um, we talk about it on the podcast, um, myself and Steve Elkington, but the week before on the same course, okay, very different setup, but at the Workday Charity Open, he didn't have a, a great tournament, missed the cut, put um, well, a new club in the bag, which we'll discuss, and got a bit of a talking to from his caddy, James. And, um, well, all of that helped him play the much tougher course setup way better. It was like watching a major. It was exciting golf. Anyway, Ryan was first in strokes gained approach, first in sand saves and second in scrambling. So it's fourth top 10 of 2020. Just amazing. And with that, he seals his place in the US Open field as well. We do have our first major around the corner with the PGA Championship. And next week, it's the WGC in Memphis. But this week, the 3M Open at TBC Twin Cities in Minnesota. <laughs> I always have to think about that one. Right, we'll preview the secret golfers in the field in just a little while. But... Um, well, every week, Elk and I record our bit on Zoom so you can watch the video too. The links are on all of our Secret Golf social media. But here is this week's catch up. Well, it was two weeks at Muirfield Village, Elk, and what a difference. I mean, it was two different tournaments from the Workday Charity Open to Memorial. <laughs> we knew what Jack wanted. We knew that he wanted Memorial to be tough. And it almost felt like we were watching a major. It did. There was... Um... There was some carnage on Friday afternoon we saw before Mr. DeJambeau left the tournament, and then we saw more carnage on the weekend. Bottom line is, um, Diane, yes, we knew that Jack Nicholas was going to dig up the course after. He got a little lucky, and uh, Chief Leather Lips did not insert himself into the tournament. For those that haven't been following, we all know that Jack Nicholas had trouble with uh, Chief Leather Lips with rain for the history of the event, but... Bottom line, Diane, he got what he wanted. He got a very dry golf course. It was the first time this year on tour that the players have really dealt with a golf course that was going to be maybe over par, was going to move up in the standings. Mm -hmm. It was fun to watch. And we always think you don't want to put the guys in impossible situations and you don't want to force them to play badly. But... Even if you look at the, the final group on Sunday, one of our guys was up there, Ryan Palmer and John Ram. Neither of them played well, especially, you know, front nine and then probably up until 16 where we saw Ram chip in. But it was good golf to watch and it was golf that we hadn't been able to watch for a long time. Yeah, well, when I when I watched the telecast, Diane, I was watching John Ram. He, he was, I was texting with somebody else and he was so far ahead that he was, 
and um, I've been in that position, and it's 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 actually more stressful being in a big lead because you're you are you are ultra focused, and you're able to play the golf course almost like chess, where you can be a little bit safer than normal. But then that's that's dangerous as well. Um, he got through the front nine really well. He was I think he was what eight shots ahead, and I was uh, a little disappointed, thinking that I was going to sit here and watch all these shots. But then everything changed, and um, golf it just proves to you, Diana, what we talk about all the time is. is um, so much psychology that goes on with the players. He had an eight-shot lead, and before he knew it like that, he was down to three or four, and there's still tough shots coming in. And, of course, there was drama at 16. Ryan Palmer was unable to put all the pressure that he needed to. He tried as hard as he could, but John Rahm in the end was able to control himself. It's, we all sensed that something that he may lose his cool, but he made it to number one, and he won Jack's tournament. There was one little moment where he hit a bit of a wayward tee shot and um, he slammed his club. And it was Nick Faldo on the announced team was like, you don't need to be doing that when you have this much of a lead. And then Palmer could have put the pressure on him a little bit more. He just missed some putts. There was a few birdie chances where you thought if he'd made that birdie, momentum could have swung a little bit. But do you think the putter was causing him issues last week? Well, I text with Ryan every day. And um, I wrote him after the tournament how well he handled himself. You know, I, I congratulated him on that. I also congratulated him on winning a million bucks and finishing second, which was 500,000 more than any tournament that I ever won. But I, I couldn't help but noticing, and if you were watching the telecast, like a lot of people that are looking at this, that everything went wrong for Ryan Palmer all weekend. And he still was right there. I said, mate, you've got to, you know, you didn't putt good. You hit a few loose shots with that new five wood. Um, and you were still right in the hunt. And so he has to take a lot away from that. Let's talk about the five wood because it's always been his go-to shot. I remember when we shot his player channel, the five wood that he was using at the time, that low stinger. But he had a new five wood. And, well, you're saying that he should probably take it out of the bag now. Well, we watched, I saw him on TV, he hit a shot on number seven. He hit it way right with the five wood. And then right when he needed to hit the green at 15, he hit one way right again. And I told uh, my son, Sam, I said, that five wood is not going to make it past this day. Uh, maybe it's too flat. I don't know. Or the shaft is bending in the wrong spot. But under pressure, you know, I was, uh, you've got to have a, tri a club that's, you know, well-trusted. And, of course, on this, on, th on this occasion, he had two real pressure shots with a brand new club, and that's, that's tough to pull off. Mm -hmm. It was, I think the, the factor that was kind of cool was they were um, the final group on Sunday and Ryan was Ram's closest competitor to take the trophy. But the two of them had won the Zurich Classic in New Orleans together, the, the team event. So, I mean, you say that a lot of these guys know each other's games, but they really do know their games inside out. And... Ryan had to know that, especially when Ram was eight shots ahead, that he had the mountain to climb and he knew the type of guy that John Ram is. So, as you say, he handled himself great. It would have been brilliant to see because Ryan hasn't had his, I think his last solo win was the Sony Open in 2010. But he's so close right now. Yeah, Ryan's, you know, he's he's delivering, you know, great years later in his career, which it's a great thing to be able to do. You know, I sensed, Diane, that it was a tournament between John Rahm and John Rahm's head. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. when he came became on the back nine. Of course, Tony Finau, who had a four-shot lead in the middle of Saturday's round, must be disappointed this week by thinking back of what could have been for him. Of course, Tony Finau is trying to, you know, get some wins on the board. He only has one win on the tour. He plays so well. And there he was, four shots ahead in the middle of the, middle of the back nine on Saturday and uh, sort of faded away. One thing I, I do seem to think, and, and um, Matthew Fitzpatrick, who finished third, it was interesting to me, Diane, that uh, Ram had a very experienced caddy, of course, uh, Ryan Palmer, and his caddy, tons and tons of years on the tour. And then old Bones Mackay, caddying for uh, Fitzpatrick, who pulled out a great round on Sunday, 68, and finished third. So experience on the tour can catch up for a lot of these young guys, Diane. Okay. Ryan, uh, Ryan's caddy, James, he's a really good golfer himself. As you say, they've worked together for years. He University played- of Houston guy, I must add. Yeah, and I actually saw on the telecast that after the work day, because they missed the cut, and Ryan had a nine on one of the par threes, but James was a big factor in giving him a talking to and saying, like, it's a brand new week, it's a new course set up, and what a difference it makes. But he is a secret weapon of Ryan's. Well, he's a good player. You know, he's won the he's won the club championship at the Colonial uh, Golf Club in Fort Worth, where they play the tournament, the first event back from the pandemic. So he's no slouch. Um, it's interesting to me, Diane, when I watch these caddies, uh, I was noticing John Rahm's caddy was sort of pointing out where he should chip out and over that branch, not that branch. And I, I mentioned out loud to my son, I said, if I ever, if I ever had my caddy come and tell me where I should chip out or what branch I should hit over, I would send him back to the clubhouse. It's just a different, it's just a different dynamic with these guys now. I'm not against it. I'm just saying, I think I kind of know what I got to do on this hole here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, Ram's caddy, you heard him on quite a few occasions, especially when they were coming down the stretch, and it was pretty obvious that he was going to win. His caddy is like his hype guy. He's like you got this, come on. Like, there was a few things, a few exchanges that I thought, oh, it's a little bit uh, cringeworthy to watch. But I guess everyone's got their own style. And when you, when these guys can find a caddy that gels with them and they compliment each other, then they can do whatever they want. Yeah, and John Rahm, you know, what a meteoric rise. Meteor, me, meteoric. What a, what a, <laughs> and John Rahm, who's now reached number one in the world rankings, Diane, which he's had, a, he's had a very easy road to it, I must add. A lot of people don't realize that when you first come onto the tour, you gain points when you play well. And as you get to the anniversary of your good events, half of those points come off. John's been in the accumulation of points mode, and now he finds himself at the top of the world rankings. Is it worthy? I don't know. I mean, who's the best player out there? He's one of them. He's probably about there's about four or five of them. Justin Thomas, mm-hmm. Rory, when he's you know when he's not having a bad Sunday, uh, Rams right there. I mean, Bryson. there's about four or five. <laughs> Bryson's close. So let's talk about the Bryson meltdown. Are we allowed to call it that on the Friday when he counted a ten on the par five? What was the what was the mindset there? Well, I think, I think if I could just sum it up in the smallest possible sentence, I would say he's just got too overconfident with his win. 
two weeks before and he thought he was Superman. I mean, who 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 doesn't drop it when you've hit it in the hazard and chip out and still um, make a make a bogey or whatever and play another day on the weekend? I mean, he took you know three bad swings and um, I lost picture of you for a second there. You want me to do that again? Uh, yeah, you can do that a little bit again. Yeah. So um, talking about Bryson DeChambeau, I think he got a little overconfident in himself. He's in love with his distance right now, and we saw it absolutely on display when he hooked his tee shot on 15 and had, what, 200 or 300 yards to the pin, and he wanted to drop a three-wood in deep rough and do it like three times in a row to see if he could prove it to. I don't know who he's proven it to. Yeah, I know. But in, in my day, Diane, the most important thing on Friday was to make sure you play Saturday. Mm-hmm. And one or two bad decisions right there on the 15th hole knocked him out of the whole weekend, knocked him out of the money. Maybe he's got so much money he doesn't have to think about the cuts. But I can tell you this, Diane, any good player that I know would have chipped that ball down the fairway, got on the green, made bogey at the worst, and lived to play another day. And even if it's not about the money, um, you can't win unless you make the cut. So get over that hurdle. It, yeah, and Jack Nicholas, you know, talked about it on the telecast. I always love listening to what Jack says because he, he, he's always, almost always spot on. And he, uh, he said it's amazing what Bryson's doing with his distance. Um, you know, it's just whether he can control it. And we, we, we actually saw one side of it there where he lost control of it completely. We were kind of waiting to see it as well. It was inevitable it was going to happen at some point. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. This week, I'm going to look at my phone so I can check the guys, but it's the 3M Open in Blaine, Minnesota, TBC Twin Cities. Um, It's the second year of this event. Last week, Matt Wolf was the winner. What do you think about this course? I think you said last week, last year, Matt Wolf was the winner. Yeah. Well, I played this course many times, uh, Diane, on the Champions Tour. We played at this exact course. This is a scoring bonanza. Yeah. And... um, it will be a very low score. Um, they have some super players. Uh, Brooks Kepka and um, Dustin Johnson are there. We're going to see Fleetwoods come across the ocean, come across the ocean to come join the tour for the rest of the season. I read that. Be exciting to see Fleetwood play because he hits so straight, and I, I, I like that kind of style the way Tommy Fleetwood plays. Yeah. Um, Matt Wolf will show up this week. He it was very exciting when you win a tournament, Diane. When you go back to an event that you've won. Although the fans aren't there this week, but you are the man and you are just revered by everyone when you're the defending champ. So I think Matt Wolf will, he almost won a couple of weeks back when uh, Bryson beat him. Wouldn't be surprised if he's up there. I'd like to see Fleetwood uh, show up this week. But this course is, a, is a very much scoring week, Diane. This will be another one of these tournaments. If we don't get any rain, it'll be one of those four or five undercuts. And last year it was um, a bit of a battle between Matt Wolf and Bryson and Colin Morikawa as well, who went on to win um, a few weeks after that. And of course he won at Jack's place just two weeks ago. But, you know, when Matt Wolf got that first victory and Morikawa was around and Victor Hovland, you know, Matt Wolf was the man. Now you look at Morikawa and how amazing he's played getting that win at the workday. Victor Hovland's been right up there as well. It's almost like Matt Wolf needs to keep climbing to keep that shine going. Yeah, and talking about Colin Morikawa, you, you and I were walking the, before this pandemic, the, the, the day of the pandemic, 
happened, you and I were walking the back nine with Pat Perez at the Players' Championship in a practice round, and he was playing with Colin Morikawa, and I got to see uh, him up close. I've only seen him on TV before, but I've been tipping him for so long now. He has one of the most unusual ball flight, which is a tight fade, low spinning fade, which has been hit by only a few really super players. You know, um, Halo and... Lanny Watkins, guys that really know how to shape the ball. And I just haven't seen that flight for a long time. So I walked away from that uh, telling everybody about Colin Marikawa. So this week, well, I'm looking at the secret golfers that we have in the field. Um, Brian Harmon, Chris Stroud, Jason Duffner, Rian Gibson, Bronson Vergoon, Patton Kazire, Pat Perez and Russell Knox. Um, a lot of the guys are taking the week off because it's the WGC in Memphis next week and then the PGA Championship. So an exciting couple of weeks coming up with the first major that we've had since the PGA Championship. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And Pat Perez is, is feeling like an 18-year-old. He told me he's got a new driver that he's picked up about five miles an hour ball speed and he is hitting the ball like he's 17, 18 is what he wrote. So um, I reckon he's going to be excited about being up there and I, I look for Pat Perez to play good this week. We uh, we talk about Russell Knox only because, well, he's my brother and we uh, maybe have a little bit of an inside into what's going on. But since the restart of the PGA Tour, he's missed every single cut, wasn't in Memorial last week, so took the week off. And um, he's playing this week. But I was texting him the other day and... I mean, I won't tell you some of the things. You're not going to say this, are you? You're not going to say no, what you told him. <laughs> no, you got to. You got to now. Well, I said to him, I was like, "Dude, it's a reduced field this week in a lot of ways. If you can't make the cut, then you need to find a new job." <laughs> but only a sister could say that. It's an inside joke because he's only ever had one real job in his life. He worked at the local like convenience store, and he didn't even finish his shift before he just walked out. He was like, "I can't do this. I need to get good at golf because I just can't do this." So. um but he was telling me that it's just this hurdle that he's got to get over. And missing all those cuts in a row, he said the hurdle just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it's horrible. But he said that, that over the last week, he's really been working hard. He's working with um, Nick, Nick Taylor's coach, I think. And... Um, he said that he thinks he's famous. He's so famous, you, he's so famous you can't remember his name. But. Well, he never told me his name <laughs> at all. Okay. Like, he's Nick Taylor's coach. So, um, yeah, but what a feeling that must be. And we, we have touched on it the past few <coughs> and your confidence is just knocked. And making a cut must seem impossible right now, let alone finishing in the top 25, top 10 or winning. Well, I tell all of our guys, Diane, when you're playing well, you never think you're going to play bad. And when you're playing bad, you never think you're going to play well. The other tip I tell our players all the time is, is if you're going to be in the business of riding bulls for a living, that you're going to have to get used to being thrown off. So he's the only one that's, he's the only one that's counting those missed cuts. Nobody else cares. In fact, every other player that's playing out there, they hope he misses it again, so they'll, they'll be in the money. So um, your brother's still pretty young. He's had a lot of success on the tour, but he's in an area right now where he finds himself where when you're not playing well and you've missed a lot of cuts in a row, you're not quite, obviously you're down, but you're not quite sure how to attack because should I hit that shot? I know I can do it, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go 30 feet and yeah. play conservative. So how do you build it? I was on with, I was on with, uh, on with your brother, uh, I think two weeks ago, and I was saying, look, the only way to do it is just build... Good things on top of good things. Good grip, good setup, 
good aim, good club selection, good idea, and then we've got to let it go. You know, Jackie Burke says, when you take your daughter and you put her in the swing and you lift her up, you can't hold her all the way down. You've got to let her go. Yeah. So he's got to have some. He's he is just in a in a in a terrible position, Diane. But I promise you, he'll get out of it. I said to him, I always like to find the positives, and I said, "Well, there's two positives. One, your status doesn't matter because the tour have already said that that doesn't matter going into next year. So of course, I mean, he's still in the 125. You want to stay there, obviously. And I said the other thing is you're not Jordan Spieth, so it's not like whenever you have a bad week, everyone's talking about it and analysing it. Like you're fine. <laughs> what do you say to those? He laughed. Oh, shut up! Oh, <laughs> shut up, sister! Shut up. Hey, I'd tell you about my game. I played golf on Sunday and it was a very up and down round, but I got to 18 and I had about 170, but it was downhill to the green, right? So I was looking at the screen and thinking, what should I do here? Should I play it safe and lay up and then chip onto the green or go for it? So I took my hybrid and went for it and I hit the shot of my life. Like the best shot I've ever hit in my life. I was so happy. <laughs> onto the green? Yeah, then I missed the par putt, but it was fine. That's fine. No, That's I fine. missed the birdie putt. I made the par putt. You made the par. You, you yeah, had a birdie putt. Yeah, I missed the birdie. And I only just missed the birdie, so I was a little bit sad about that. But um, Best shot of my life ever. I tell a lot of people, they say, why do you play golf all the time, Elk? You know, why do you love golf so much? And I say, it's because I can make the ball do what I want it to do, <laughs> and I can see it in the air, and it gives me so much enjoyment to make, make the ball do what I want, whether it's a little curve or just like the shot you described. It gives you so much gives me so much happiness to hit the ball like I want to. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't happen for me very often, but that time it did, and it was so good that it was like my last proper shot of the day, and I'm like, this is great. I love this game. <laughs> great stuff. Right, okay, so, um, well, this week, um, it's going to be fun to watch. I liked watching this course last year, and uh, we'll see what our guys can do. Thank you, Elk. Um, back in the champion's locker room, always fun to see it, too. <laughs> Glad nobody walked past having a shower. That's good. <laughs> always a bonus. <laughs> I really don't want to see anybody in that locker room coming out of the shower. Every time we set up and Elk's in the locker room at Champions, I'm like, oh my gosh, please don't let anyone walk in. So that was fun. And this week, TBC Twin Cities, the 3M Open. We have a, a good amount of the secret golfers in the field. We went through them all a little while ago. But Brian Harmon, Chris Stroud, Jason Duffner, Rian Gibson, Bronson Burgoon, Patton Kazire, Pat Perez and Russell Knox. Uh, Brian Harmon out at 7am tomorrow. Um, he's the first of our guys. So we'll be watching along and following the guys on our secret golf social media. You can search for us on Twitter, Instagram and on Facebook. And we'll be back with another podcast for the WGC next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.